because we're not saved on the basis of our ability to repent of every mistake we make or sin we commit. We are saved by the blood of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast designed to coach you up in your faith. The more you know, the more you can grow. The importance of growing your faith is more critical now than ever, and this is why you should be inviting people to be part of the Salty Pastor Podcast. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Hey, welcome everyone to the Salty Pastor I'm just so glad you're joining us, particularly on this new series, Weeds in Our Garden. It's just a biblical and practical look at mental health. It's such a broad scope. It affects everybody. And now we've uh, completed kind of the, the introduction and kind of the biblical worldview or the context of, of the spiritual bucket. Now what we're going to do is we're going to dig into all the other buckets and we're going to get really specific, I think. Mm. And so, uh, I'd love for you to go to our YouTube channel, just, uh, look up the salty pastor, then like, and subscribe, like, and subscribe. Cause we need your help to do that. I also want to give a shout out to pastor Harv last Sunday at Foothills Christian church. He preached on how you are loved and you are accepted. And that that's very important to know God's attitude towards you when you're dealing with a mental health struggle. So shout out to him for doing such a great job. Appreciate him and all that he is doing in our midst. So it's just awesome to see how the church and how people and the community is responding to this series mm, yes. and really developing a heart to try to be as helpful and as hopeful as we possibly can. Yeah, when we started this series, we knew that it was going to lead us to talk about some pretty important things, mm. um, things that a lot of people are really just uncomfortable talking about. Oh, yeah. And today's going to be one of those topics. Um, today, we're going to be talking about suicide. Mm. So I guess let's just dive into it. There's no no reason to just kind of prance around it. I think we just kind of dive into it. It's something that's really sweeping our nation. It's something that we're seeing younger and younger kids having to see and deal with. And so I think we just need to have an open and honest conversation about it. So let's get started, Pastor. Yeah, I think it's such a difficult topic to talk about, but it's really necessary. Mm. Uh, and Foothills has kind of developed a reputation over the last 20 years is that not that we're always good at it, but we talk about things that people won't talk about. You know, a lot of times churches just shy away. Other groups shy away from it because it's like, you know, we don't want to say the wrong thing. And then plus we live in such a litigious society, you know, it's like every time you do something, you have to have a disclaimer or something like that. So it just creates kind of a, a kind of a spirit of fear talking about it. And so we at Foothills, we always wade in the deep end of the pool and see what's going to happen, you know, and that's what right. we're doing on this. I think one of the reasons why this is such a difficult subject to talk about is because, you know, the stats are just overwhelming. According to the CDC, suicide has become one of the largest causes of death in America. It's really amazing. Almost 50,000 people died from suicide in 2022. 49,449 people died from suicide. Mm. Another thing that I think is makes it difficult to talk about is men commit suicide at 3.9 times the rate of women. That means for every woman that commits suicide, four men do. 
No question this is an issue affecting men. And this is all um, on the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention website. It's a government entity. Okay. So there's no, in, there's no question that this issue is affecting men disproportionately, right? What's interesting, I think, is we had read earlier stats that when dealing with mental health, you know, women generally report much higher levels of struggling with mental health issues, right? The right. men. And I don't remember what the stats were on that. Sometimes it's like three to one or four to right. one, right? But when it comes to suicide, it's exactly the opposite. Well, and I think what you brought up too is that they're reporting it. They're, they seem to be more set up to at least talk about talk it. Talk about it, yeah. Um, but the men are struggling severely, especially in this area of suicide. And you won't know until it's too late, right? Like the only reason we de we know those those statistics is yeah it's because of reporting e it's it's very easy to know when it's happened right yeah. like mm -hmm. the guys aren't coming out and talking about you know depression or anxiety as much as the women are but suicide's a very trackable stat unfortunately yeah and i you know i do have a theory on that that men you know are silent sufferers and i think that uh most of society uh tries to get men to open up get men to share get men to be uh but all, all of the what they're what they're attempting to do it isn't working obviously when right. you look at it but i think the the whole thing is that what people do and most a lot of people who advocate for these things are females and what they're doing is they're saying look you need to act like a, a woman in order to get better well that becomes an untenable situation for a man mm. right and so uh you can help men dramatically and in really, really good ways. But I think that what we have to understand is that the process is different. The process is completely different. Yeah. It's completely different. And hopefully we'll be able to dig into that later. Uh, and, and why I think that's so critical is because 25 to 44 years of age is where suicide is the most prevalent. And the second highest age group for suicide is 45 to 64. So men, four times the rate of women and 25 to 64 are the two top ranges, top ranges. And what does that tell you that? I mean, these are your predominantly adult years. Right. And so I think that's an important stat. Um, suicide rates have increased. Now, this is something that just shocked me. Okay. And I don't know if it'll, it's so significant. I don't know if it'll shock you either, but since 2000 to 2022, suicide rates have increased over 37%. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a massive increase. And, you know, a lot of times when we look at these things, we have to ask ourselves a really important question. And that is what's changed right. in the last 20 years to drive that so much. And I can tell you that our diet hasn't significantly changed. The type of chemicals out in our you know, natural environment in America haven't changed that much. Uh, the only thing that has really deeply changed a dramatic shift in America has been the uh, basic ideologies of secularism and progressivism. Those things have changed dramatically. And starting in the late 90s is when they started to be taught with unfettered, you know, approach in our public school system. So we have to say, what's the correlation there? Um, 
some of the other things that are happening in our society deal with what the CDC says are the primary driving factors of suicide. Number one is mental illness. Okay. And predominantly it's depression. Okay. Number two, it's substance abuse. Substance abuse is one of the top, it's like nine out of 10 driving factors over suicide. And I'm, I was astounded by that. Uh, obviously it's hopelessness and there's lack of meaning in life. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And we ago. talked about that a couple weeks ago. Among teenagers, this is really an amazing thing, and that is among teenagers, it is a social contagion. And a social contagion is um, when a teenager does something and it becomes, you know, like in a school or something like that, uh, they, they get really scared because suddenly that basically happens a lot more amongst teenagers. Right. And so that's a huge issue. But um, one stat that really blew me away, 90% of those who successfully commit suicide have a mental or substance abuse disorder. So nine out of 10 are dealing with a mental illness or a substance abuse disorder. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they're combined. So when you look at suicide stats, it paints a picture. And the question is, what picture does it paint? And the only conclusion that I can come to is that our society is going in a direction. All societies have core values on which they base their ethos or their vibe, you know, their, their culture. It's, it's what I, you know, refer to as the flow of culture, right? Mm. And today our society is increasing the rates of suicide, not decreasing it. Our society has... Uh, increased mental illness and substance abuse and hopelessness, which is what is driving suicides and its radical increase or dramatic increase. Uh, What is our society doing? What is it actually doing that's increasing these things? We really need to answer this question. If we're going to have any type of really significant help for people, and if we want to bring hope to people, we really need to answer that question. Yeah, I I mean, these stats are something that you really can't argue with, right? Like, I think the CDC is, I mean, it's a government right. entity. They're held to a standard as far as reporting right. and what, what they're dealing with. And so all these are pulled directly off of that. And so when you put those numbers in perspective, it really does, like you said, paint a picture of mm-hmm. there is a problem. Yeah. And we see it play out in a lot of different ways. Right. And, yeah. and we do talk about it when it's close to home, but then mm-hmm. once it's kind of further away, we just don't worry about it as much. Right. But so we see it as we, we engage with it when it's very, very personal, yeah, like, but when do we step back and ask the bigger question of, well, why is it increasing at right. 37%? And I think that's, what's the hardest is because a lot of times when that does happen, people want to sit, start pointing fingers and they're not willing to step back and go, okay, well, what, what dr- is driving this escalation in right. this thing, right? And I think it's something that got pointed out by one of our younger staff members is they're dealing with this in schools. They're talking about this in schools as youth yeah, way more often than even we're talking about it because mm-hmm. it's so close. They're hearing and seeing it so often right. in their microcosm that they're really talking about this a lot down in you know high school middle school age and so that was also an interesting um i guess viewpoint that i hadn't even thought about because it's been a while since i was in high school school, and it's been a little bit longer since you've been in high school (laughs) now 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 be careful though (laughs) that's so true 
But I mean, I think I thought that was really interesting too, is that there are these conversations about what's happening yeah. at those ages. So yeah. we've kind of set up that this is a problem. We've, we've talked about that. These stats can't really paint a different picture than that. So I want to get into what is the biblical perspective on suicide? Mm. I've heard a lot of different things over the years. I've heard things like it's a mortal sin. It's unforgivable. People who commit suicide are stuck in purgatory. Yeah. Um, can you give us an accurate perspective on what the Bible says about suicide, Pastor? Yeah, I first and foremost, the Bible records a number of people that committed suicide. You know, in the Old Testament, there were a number of people. Ahithophel kind of pops into mind, and of course, in the New Testament, the most famous person that committed suicide was Judas after he had betrayed Jesus. So we have a lot of examples of that, mm-hmm. and we have a number of. Uh, the background that you can dig into to try to see how it matches what current research tells us, you know, and are there any correlations there? But I think the, the big issue is that the question you have to ask is what, you know, what, why does our society have the perspective that it does have about suicide? And I think it's really important to understand is that you have to realize that, Christianity, when it started, was basic Catholicism. Um, Now, I'm not saying that Roman Catholicism, as they claim, is the original church, because it's not. Historically, that's inaccurate. Historically, the church existed pretty much on the New Testament model up until the third century, or excuse me, the fourth century. Okay. It was about I think it was in three, the, the Edict of Milan was in 312 A.D., and then it was 320, I think, 318, 320, where the emperor of Rome at that time said, hey, it's, you know, going, it's Christianity is going to become the state religion. And so once that happened, that's when you really see the development of the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. And that existed up to a period of time, uh, but then it split into Eastern Orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism, okay, okay. over time. And during this period... Of, of the split in the 4th and 5th century, Roman Catholicism viewed suicide as a sin. They said it's a sin. And in the 6th century, in the Western world, not in the Eastern, I, I'm not going to comment on that because it's just, there's a boatload there's a of stuff that you, yeah, we'd there. have to get into. Let's just focus on Western because we, we fall from the tree of Western civilization, or we're a branch of it, so to speak, in America. And that is, is that uh, shortly after they started to teach that it was a sin in the sixth century. In the late sixth century, um, it actually became a mortal sin because this is what happened. If a person committed suicide while accused of a crime, they would be denied a Christian burial and last rites. In the late sixth century, all suicides began to be treated this way. So if you committed suicide, you were denied a Christian burial and you were denied the last rites. And, and so this is, this was a significant thing in Roman Catholicism because the emphasis uh, in the early church, of course, none of that stuff existed <laughs> for 300 years. Right. And now, after it became the state religion of Rome, it adopted a lot of the Roman forms. Okay. Right? And so uh, one of these forms was the rites and some of the things that they just adopted and Christianized. That's normal. That's what happens with Christianity in all cultures. So the notion that there's some conspiracy or nefarious thing about it, that's ridiculous. Um, the bottom line is, is though that it is a reality that in the late 6th century, all suicides began to be treated to, if you committed suicide, guess what? 
you would not get a Christian burial. You would not get the last rites. And so it, in a sense, became a mortal sin. And for a period of time, it was actually labeled a mortal sin. And a mortal sin means that you basically uh, are unto perdition, meaning that you're stuck in purgatory or hell. You go to hell. Okay. okay. Now, in 1992, it's very important to understand that the Catholic Church softened this position dramatically, uh, trying to address that issue. Okay. Uh, and they basically said this, we should not despair of the eternal salvation of persons who have taken their own lives. By ways known to him alone, God can provide the opportunity for salutary, uh, salutary, excuse <laughs> me, didn't read that, salutary repentance. So the point is, is that in Roman Catholicism, if you commit a, a, an egregious sin or mortal sin, you have to basically perform a salutary repentance. Uh, so, you know, this is what the confession is about and some okay. other things of that nature. Now, this is almost all based on Roman Catholicism tradition, not biblical teaching. And that's really important. In the scriptures, it says, the question is, is suicide a sin or a missing of the mark or a failure? The answer to that question is yes. Since it is the taking of innocent life, then it is considered murder. This does not mean we are pure or perfect or a person who commits suicide is pure or perfect. But what it does mean is that that person is innocent of a crime that would require the penalty of forfeiting their life. Okay. Now, in justice, right, in, in biblical, you know, justice, codified law, uh, the, the death penalty can only be given when a person has taken the life of another innocent person. Okay. Right? So when you take the life of another innocent person, you forfeit your own right to life. Okay. That's the only time that it can be taken away. Okay, so that's very specific. And so if you're, you're so when you if you commit suicide, you are taking the life of a, an innocent person yourself. Okay. Right? Yes. Does that make sense? Yep. It is it, now the next the uh, you know, basically it's a way of saying it's it, it's categorically considered self-murder. Okay. And the next question then, well is it an unforgivable sin? Because Roman Catholicism taught that for quite some time because, you know, the issue was, well, if you do it, you can't repent, right? Right. Of course, the only failure, the only sin that Jesus says can never be forgiven is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, you know, I got it right out here. Let me read it to you. It basically says, the one who is not with me is against me. And the one who does not gather with me scatters. So, so Jesus is saying something really specific here, okay? It's very important to understand the context in which he makes a statement. So what he's saying is that there's two sides. You're on one side or the other, right? You're either with me, you're for me, or you're in opposition to me. Right. There's no middle ground, so to speak. Verse 31. Therefore, I say to you, so based on this notion, the one who is not with me is against me, and the one who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, because of this reason, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy shall be given people. But blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. 
But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. So that's a pretty broad statement when he says, in this age or the age to come. Right. So he's covering all time and eternity. And what does he say? He says that blasphemy against, you could say whatever you want against the Son of Man. You can say whatever you want against Jesus, but you cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So a lot of scholars have talked about this over time, and I won't spend a lot of time. But basically what that means is that the Holy Spirit came as a testimony that Jesus Christ, what, is the Son, Son of, God. of God, and yeah. he is the Redeemer of the world. So when we we reject the Holy Spirit, we blaspheme the Holy Spirit, we say the Spirit is lying, the Spirit is deceptive. What we're doing is we're, we're rejecting Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Okay. Okay. So that's what the rejection of Jesus is what is, is unforgivable. And this, of course, drives a stake into the heart of what is commonly known as universalism. Okay. And that is Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross. It doesn't do matter you whatever you do, what you believe, how you live. It's all irrelevant. You can hate Jesus and not believe your whole life and reject him your whole life and then you die. But Jesus is so big on love, he accepts you anyway. That's called universalism, which, of course, is just patently false, right? Um, and for a lot of other reasons. Uh, so, so the question is, is suicide an unforgivable sin? Well, no, of course not. Because we're not saved on the basis of our ability to repent of every mistake we make or sin we commit. We are saved by the blood of Jesus. You know, if you flip over to Hebrews, there's a lot of, there's a lot in Hebrews. Excuse me, I got to stay on mic. There's a lot in Hebrews that, that discusses this issue. And a lot of people don't study Hebrews because it deals extensively with a comparison of sin and what position you are as a sinner and what did Christ actually do in comparison to all of the ritual sacrifices in Judaism. Which we as a Western culture are not super familiar with, right? Yeah, we, nobody even remembers that because, you know, when this in AD 70, so about 30 some years after Christ was crucified, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. Right. And so since then, the Jewish people have not practiced most of these. the sacrifices, yeah. right? They haven't yeah. been practiced in, in synagogue. So, but anyway, he says something really interesting here in uh, chapter seven. And he, he talks about ritual sacrifices. Verse 27, he goes, who has no daily need like those of high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own son for his own sins and then for the sins of other people because he did this once he's talking about Jesus for all time when he offered up himself so he's saying that Jesus offered himself up once and in that moment he was a propitiation for all sins of all, all time. time. Okay. So there's no need to make repentance a sacrificial right that is necessary for salvation. He's saying you, we have no daily need like high priests to offer up sacrifices. Okay. So you can't turn the act of repentance into a sacrificial right. Okay. If that makes sense. Yep. So basically what he's saying is that if you're in Christ, there is no unforgivable sin. Now, if you're out of Christ, that is the unforgivable sin. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so the issue is, is that 
Some positions have stated that since a person who commits suicide cannot repent, they therefore will no longer be saved. But this is simply not true because the scriptures don't teach that to be the case because the scriptures do not teach that repentance is a ritual sacrifice that must be performed in order to stay into the righteousness of God. Okay. So I just want to recap. I mean, that was a lot of information. Sorry. All of it, very good. <laughs> but I, I just always, I mean, I'm supposed to kind of be the surrogate for our audience. And so if I was sitting listening to the podcast, I would want a brief recap of kind of all the information of all that. you gave us, which is basically back in the 4th and 5th century, the Roman Catholicism kind of viewed suicide as an unforgivable sin. They made it a crime Yes. In society, right? Mm-hmm. Which has created some of this this context of whether you're Catholic or not, this idea has um, kind of seeded itself into Christianity of, yes. okay, if you commit suicide, it's an unforgivable sin, you're going to burn forever in purgatory or whatever, right? Yeah. So what you just did is you went through the scriptures and you said, one, is suicide a sin or also known as a missing of the mark or a failure? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. That is accurate, true. We talked about that. Is it an unforgivable sin? No. Correct. And that's really important. And we talked about why that is because there is, you know, the repentance aspect and some of the arguments of why it could be an unforgivable sin have been dismantled based on the scriptures you have just read. So, yes, yes, it is a sin. No, it's not an unforgivable sin. So yes. that does not mean that they are necess- that they are in purgatory burning forever. Yes. You got there so happen. much quicker than I did. But that but you set it up so I could summarize. So we're a tag team. That's what we're here for. So, Amen. Um, so there's been a lot of misguided teachings over the years. We've seen this in just even this one point, and I'm sure there's lots of other points that we could get into if we wanted to about it, but even just in this one point and notion about suicide, there's been misguided teachings. Why is that? Well, I think in Western civilization, I think we have to be honest about the intent, and that is that they saw suicide as a bad thing. It was a failure, and so they wanted to try to help encourage or motivate people not to do it and to persevere, which was very difficult. And so they came up with this teaching, and over time it it became a legalistic approach, right? And I think that it also included a misunderstanding of judgment, okay. right? Uh, when you die, the scriptures specifically state in Second Corinthians chapter five ten, it says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ," also known as the bema seat is the term there, okay. so that each one of us may receive compensation for his deeds done through the body in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. So in other words, there is a compensation for what you have done through the body of Christ, the church, right? In accordance with what you've done, whether good or bad. So your compensation is directly tied to what you have or have not done, whether it's good, whether it's bad. This, of course, is probably the strongest argument against all those people who say on TikTok, that, you know, if you're a Christian, you don't have to go to church and you don't have to participate in church. This would be the strongest argument against it, okay? Then, of course, you have to think about the parable of the sheep and goats in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus says, hey, you know, he separates people into sheep and goats, and he says the sheep were people who, when he was hungry, he fed them, 
when they were naked, he clothed, they clothed them. When he was sick, they ministered to him. When he was in prison, they visited him, and they say to Jesus, well, when did we ever see you that way? And he says, when you did it under the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. Okay. So I think that's really quite fascinating is we all realize we do give an account for our lives. A lot of people don't like that, right? But we do. And we live in a cause and effect world, and therefore your moral choices have cause and effect. And you are held accountable for that, okay? Mm. So when people think about that judgment and they consider that judgment over and over again, the real question becomes, what's the nature of the judgment? What does it mean I will be held accountable for that? I mean, so I get there and I, I made these mistakes, and so now I have to pay for them somehow? You see, and that's where actually the whole theory of purgatory came from in the Roman Catholic Church for a period of time. Um, and what the issue is, is uh, judgment is all about, you know, being made righteous or determined unrighteous, okay? So when I was a kid, I was told at Bible camp and you know church camp and other places, they would say, you know, one day after you die, your whole life is going to be a movie and it's going to be displayed in front of everybody. So everything you've ever done, everybody's going to see. I was thinking, that's horrifying. Right. <laughs> that is not good. As a scare tactic, that's very effective. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's horrifying. But you wouldn't believe how many adults believe that today, right. that their life is going to be played out as a movie in front of everybody. And I go, well, you know, Chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 11 says this, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Mm. Verse 12, But he, meaning Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. And then a couple of verses later, it says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will no longer remember. So if your life sins have been wiped out, how does God keep them on a reel that he hits playback on? Right. See, that's incongruent. Yep. That's completely illogical. Therefore, when we stand in judgment, we are not judged by our sins because we would fail right. that judgment. What we are judged by is the blood of Jesus Christ, which makes us righteous, not our own success and failures. This extremely important factor when considering suicide is that a person who does that is covered by the blood of Christ, not by what they have or have not done, if they truly are in Christ. So a lot of this misinformation, well, not misinformation, but this misunderstanding of yes. what happens when you die or how judgment works um can feed into some of these things like this um this misunderstanding of is suicide an unforgivable sin things of that nature right yes we've just there's been some change or there's been uh, a lack of understanding on what actually happens and then it gets kind of snowballs into these other issues that we're talking about Correct. right mm -hmm. so i mean it's important to know how the blood covers us completely, but 
I, I want to talk briefly, um, and then I'm sure we'll we'll expand more on Thursday. Uh, how do we address the downside of suicide with people? Well, I, I think the issue is is that we have to realize that even though the blood of Christ covers all of our sin, and we are righteous, and in that judgment, we are the righteousness of Christ is bestowed upon us. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. We don't cause it to happen. It's an act of grace. You right. see, it's bestowed upon us. Because, um, I mean, listening to what you just said, it could you could just go, well, I'm covered. Like, it's not, right? Like, if you yeah, are... Yeah, so if, what difference does it make? Yeah. I can do whatever I want, right. you know? There, there is that thought, and that's kind of the yeah. reason. I wanted to rephrase the question because What's I, the, I don't Remember know. the illustration that I used before about the young man, the little boy who prayed to God to give him a bike, and, right. and then he realizes, well you know, God doesn't work that way. So he stole the bike and prayed for forgiveness. Right. So it's like, I, I want it. That's the conversation I want to have is like, well, based on what you said, there's no downside to suicide. Seemingly. Right? Yeah. Seemingly. And, and, and I'm, a, I'm hoping you have an alternative <laughs> action there. Uh, well, I to, think it's to, very important to understand is that you can never ignore that sin is death. And wherever there is sin, there is death. I mean, mm. Jesus says that, that the thief came to steal and to destroy. And I, I think that Satan has come to uh, steal and destroy. And wherever there's sin is, there is death. And what dies? That's the question. What dies when there is sin? All kinds of things die. when right. there, You know, hope dies. When, when there's sin, hope dies and despair reigns supreme. Uh, love, love dies when there's sin, you know? So when someone chooses this or, or succeeds in it, the hope and love of those who are left behind is devastating, you know? It, it creates an opportunity or uh, it opens up, right, a, a crack in the defense or opens up a door or window for, for Satan to torment those people. Yeah, it's between a huge, guilt and shame and things of that yeah. nature, it can just eat people alive. It's a huge factor. You know, Jesus says we are to love others as we love ourselves. Would would, would you wish that, that guilt and shame and pain and suffering on yourself? Mm. Well, of course not, you know. Um, a lot of times people, and this is what's so odd about you know, how rationally people get to suicide, the notion that, well, I'm so filled with guilt and shame and despair. I have no hope. It's the worst thing. I can't go on. And so I'll take my life. But if you take your life, you're bestowing what you're experiencing on the people who love you and are close to you. Right. You're taking your temporary pain and using and a very becomes, permanent solution that then inflicts probably a very permanent pain on somebody else, somebody right? Else, yeah. So, but see that now. I'm not trying to say that you, uh, you know, that you go after people who are considering suicide in that way. What I am saying is that it proves how tricky Satan is and how he right. deceives us into these traps. Um, but the thing to do is to help people understand: you don't wherever there is sin, there is death. Uh, like with the social contagion issue, when a young person commits suicide, the psyche of the community at large is wounded, mm. you know? Um, the, there's death to the encouragement to other young people that things can get better. You know, when, when people take that option, they kill 
any encouragement for people who are suffering and pain to continue on and persevere. Right. Uh, there, there's a death to all of the giftedness and all of the goodness that can come out of that person, right? right. God uses broken people. You know, I'm, I'm a perfect example of that. And right. so if, if, if you dwell only on your brokenness, you can, you know, Satan wants to cheat the world from the good that God can do through you. And so I think it's really important to understand how um, much death sin brings, not just to that individual, but to everybody and the community at large around them. And so, you know, I think I, I was reading one stat that I think is really, really important. And that is, is that 90% of people who have gone through suicidal ideation, but they don't take that option, get better, mm. right? They heal and move forward. Yeah. So, so in your darkest day and the most difficult times and the most incredible emotional suffering you will ever experience, the reality is, is just hang on, just hang on. And on, on Thursday, we're going to dig into resources to help identify people in that position and also resources to help them hang on. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Pastor. I know this is not um, an easy topic to, to talk about. Um, and so I'm excited to continue this conversation on Thursday just because I think it is a topic we need to talk about and a lot of people don't. I do want to put this out here. I know we talked about you, you know, wanting to avoid having to do disclaimers and stuff anytime we talk about stuff, but because this is so serious, we do want to make sure that if you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or a crisis, please reach out immediately to the suicide prevention hotline. That's 988, or you um, can text home to the crisis text hotline at 741741. These services are free and confidential. And the contents of this podcast are for general information purposes only. They're not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. Um, we want you to seek uh, medical advice if you are in need of that. So um, we're going to continue this conversation on Thursday. I think it's going to be a huge blessing to all of our listeners to know more, to understand what resources are available, to try to understand how they can help. Um, or be helped. And I think that's super important. So thank you so much, Pastor, for talking about this. And thank you listeners for joining us. And we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Blessings.